to 20. The Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm Etienne, part of the leadership team here, and I will talk for the next bit uh, of this service, just uh, as Mike mentioned, wrapping up uh, a series that we've been doing for, this is the seventh, uh, seventh instalment, if you like, of it, and so, uh, yeah, very privileged to, uh, to wrap it up today. Um, young people or anyone, if you... One of the things we've been sort of experimenting with the last few weeks just to sort of help you zone in um, is just to give you something to draw or to do. And I know our younger kids are out already, but if you're still in or even if you're an adult, I've put some paper and pens and clipboards on one of the shelves in the back there. Feel free to, this is probably your moment, to, to go and grab some of those. And I want you to draw for me today a... A roller coaster. <laughs> and, 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 and you'll maybe see if you can make a connection between the roller coaster and the message. What's, what's sort of the connection between it? So, um, yeah, feel free just to get up, grab a, a sheet of paper, a clipboard, pens, and um, yeah, just draw that and, and, and make the connection for me. And show me afterwards what the connection is between the two. Right. Today's a shorter message then shorter. <laughs> I won't go as far as saying short. Uh, shorter than some of the others. We've been through some heavy and deep content. Um, this church is, we've started, the gathering of the people of God. God gathers, he brings his people together. He brings them together to do three things. To remember the sacrifice, that song that we just sang. Everything that is good about your life, my life, church, is possible because of the sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice. That's what we remember in the Lord's Supper. It's the underpinning, it's the basis upon which we meet, right? But God also gathers his people to speak to them in a very unique way when they're gathered. His people speak to him. Prayer, in the way that we do it when we gather, is, I want to say, above when we do it alone. Church is the gathering, right, of the people of God. We spoke about church, particularly as it gets together as the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
God indwells, he lives in us as his people. We spoke about the church as the body of Christ. We touched on some of the incredible intimacy that that spells out between your connection to Jesus. I can't do it all again, but it's, it's astounding to think how you are connected to Jesus as a Christian and us as a Christian church. We spoke about the body of Christ being equipped with gifts and roles and people to do what God wants to do in the world through his church. That's where we've been over the six weeks. And today we finish off by talking about the church not just as the gathering, but the church is also the gatherer. Church is the gathering gatherer. That's basically the the point and the theme of the sermon. And I'm going to make simply two points in this message. And they're both going to come very simply from this reading that we've done this morning. Okay? Two points. Uh, If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time or any length of time, you probably have heard this passage that we read this morning. This is a fairly famous kind of a passage, particularly the bottom half of the passage. You know, uh, yeah, we, we, we love to put that, the church loves to put that up as this is the reason of, of why we do what we might call missions or, or evangelisms. It stems from that bit in verse 19 where Jesus talks to his followers, his church, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, I want you to make disciples, disciples are people who believe in who Jesus is, who follow Jesus. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them, uh, not just for head knowledge, but to grow up into what does it look like to live as a child of God. This is your job. This is what I want you to go and do, Jesus says to his people. We, uh, if, if it's new to you, then, then, then that's great. That, that's, that's exactly one of the key purposes of the church, right? Go baptize teach. There's one aspect of this passage that that I've never quite noticed. And that's what actually happens right before it. In the top half. Did you notice? Did you notice this? This is after Jesus' resurrection, right? He told his disciples beforehand, go to Galilee, and they did. They went to Galilee. They went to the mountain. This is a mountaintop experience where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And he spoke to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is a gathering. These disciples gathered on this mountaintop. They worshipped. Jesus spoke to them. This is all just on, on, on the sacrifice, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And, 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 and from this mountaintop experience comes the go out. Been to a theme park once, 
Um, hands up. Who likes rides? Theme park rides, roller coasters, and that sort of stuff. All right. Who doesn't like them? Who can't stand? <laughs> right, there are more people who like them than don't. I've been on one once, and I really will remember it. It was one of those ones where um, it, it sort of had this two very high pylons or pillars and, and, a, and, a, and a track, you know, that connected this little uh, train thing, you know, between the two. And how it worked was, you know, you got in and you sit down, you strap in and you ask yourself, why are you paying exorbitant amount of money to do this? It's what is the point? But you do it anyway because <laughs> you like it, right? Uh, and so you strap in and you sit there and, and how this one worked is it kind of, you know, pulled you up backwards with this, because they do all the clicking noises of the gears to make you more nervous, and you go up, 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 up. And, you know, there were two versions of this ride. You could do the chicken one where it only pulls you halfway up, and then they make you wait because they want you to be extra nervous. You don't quite know when it's going to release. And then when you let go, then it went down the track and up halfway the other end, and it did a few of those then just free-flowing. And if you were really, really game, really keen, you know, you did the, the, hot, the extra experience where it pulled you all the way up to the very top. And then it let you go. And then it was just make sure you sit in the front of the car because you never know what's going <laughs> to hit you in the back. Because uh, that's how high it was and that's how serious it was. I, I want to put it to you. This, this passage is interesting about, about mission. I think... I think we see a connection between going out as the church and going up. The church goes out just like this roller coaster car by going up. It's, it's as we gather, it's as we encounter the risen Jesus as he speaks to us, as we worship him, as we remember that sacrifice, as we're filled, as we're moved, that we are being pulled up and up and up. And then he says, go. Go. <laughs> the release comes and he sends us out to, to, to go from being the gathering in that exquisite place to, to go and be the gatherers. Bring into my gathering those whom I am going to call and bring in. You see the connection between the two? It's there. And, and, and here's what I want to ask you, and I'll take a few comments. Uh, why do you think that's important? What would have happened if, if the top part of that reading didn't exist? If Jesus didn't say to his disciples, meet me on this mountaintop first, worship me, hear from me, hear my declaration that all authority has been given to me. If, if that was not part of it, if it was simply, I've been raised, you go out. What, 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 what would be the effect on the mission of the church if, if going out did not depend on going up, 
just some thoughts. I, I'm a bit underprepared. I, I, I need you to help me. <laughs> no, I do have a few things I want to share, but, but I want to hear from you as well. Yeah, just yell it out. Sure. The, the, the mission of the church or the act of gathering others in would have just fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. The mission of the church would have just fizzled out. Yeah, sure. Why do you think that might be? What is it then about this? Right, it's hard work going out, Dana's saying. Um, yeah, so, so going out is not easy. It's not easy. You need something to, for lack of better words, encourage or embolden you to go and gather. That is hard work. You would fizzle out. You'd give up. You'd stop. You wouldn't do it. Maybe never go in the first place. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, oh, Peter. Easier as a team, perhaps, yeah. There's a sense of uh, team building up at that mountaintop experience to understand that you're not on your own. There's this, this gathering of disciples who, who collectively are sent out to go and be the gatherers. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. So Ruth's saying the authority. I mean, that's a remarkable assurance to go out with, isn't it? Like, and it sort of connects to yours, don't if you, if you, if you, if you understand that you're going out with all authority, the highest authority that exists, it just changes how you go out. And you need to hear that. You need to know that. You need to be aware of that as you go out as disciples. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone else? Yeah, Bianca. Yeah, yeah, cool. Mm. So bring them into what? <laughs> Ultimately, the sweetness of, of the act of, of, of being a gatherer is to is to share the experience of worship. And, and that's precisely where we said on, on week one, you know, where all of human history is leading to. What is it? It's the great, we're going to read it in the end again, to have it before us, the, the great gathering at the heavenly Mount Zion where we will gather with thousands upon thousands. And, and that is where we want to bring people into. That, that, that's the point, right? So take that out. And you kind of wonder, well... What for? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your thoughts. I, I, yeah, they, they sort of summarize mine too. I think the importance of this. If, if, we, if, if we... If our gatherings aren't the things that propel our act of gathering, we will go in our own strength. We will burn out. We will forget about Jesus. And ultimately, we cannot be, and we will never be, the gathering gatherer. These two things are connected. One depends on the other. Inseparable. That's the first point. Second one is this. Uh, I didn't have enough time to play with creative wording, so I just put my thoughts down as they are. 
under points, you know. You cannot be the gathering and the gatherer in, in, in some ways at the same time. The, the, the little car cannot be up the top and racing out at the same time. Disciples cannot be up at the mountaintop and out going, baptizing, teaching at the same time. These are two somewhat separate activities of the church, right? Now, this is where it gets interesting. There's, there's different theories about, among Christians about this, and particularly in the 60s and so forth. There's a big popular movement across Christian churches in the West to say that um, it was sort of called this, the, the creating the seeker-sensitive church. And the idea was that church gatherings needed to be the primary places where we invite and bring those outside the church to. They're the primary evangelism spaces. And everything about the church service was rearranged and reconstructed so that it would make sense to non-Christians, essentially, to those outside the church. This is very much how church was done, uh, or the, the cutting-edge way of doing church uh, for quite a few decades leading up to where we are. Um, I'm not sure that's biblical. I'm not sure if it's correct or helpful. Now, don't misunderstand me. Yes, we must always assume that those new to church and new to faith are present in our gathering. If you're new to church here today, you don't know who God is or you don't know what church is, you're in the right place. You should be here. We want you here. We should always be on the lookout for inviting those who we would think it would be helpful for to a church service, to a gathering, to a mountaintop experience. We should always make sure that what we do when we gather as a church makes sense to those who are new to church, for whom this is all weird and strange and foreign and different. Yes, God will use our gatherings to bring new people to faith. These are fundamentals that must mark our gathering or our mountaintop experience. Yet at the same time, can I suggest to you that the work of gathering others happens primarily outside the church gatherings. Usually the moment a person who is totally new to church, the moment of them coming to a church gathering is preceded by a number of other things in which they were loved, served, cared for, prayed for, met with by Christians, by the disciples, by the people of God, outside the gatherings of the church, right? If you're new to church, you may well say, yeah, I get it. I'm still kind of working my way into this kind of gathering of God's people. And yes, I agree how much people from the church had to meet with me, help me, invite me into their lives, invite me into their homes before I could place myself in the gathering of God's people. Right? If you've taken someone on that journey, you may know the same. The work of being a gatherer is Monday to Saturday. 
it's full-time, it's all the time. It's living out our lives as Christians in wherever God has put us, in our families, in our community, in our workplaces. Mission is everywhere, all the time. And I think if this is true, then it follows that we may want to think about our lives as I move to a close. Individually, here are some questions that I think this would make us ask ourselves. Are you praying for people in your life who don't know Jesus? Is it on your heart to ask him to reveal himself to them? Is it a high priority for us in our prayer lives? Loving. Do you have a heart for those who don't know Jesus? Prayed a bit about that on Thursday night. God, give us your own heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Is it, is it, is it a, a, a growing passion and a desire to say, yes, I notice those who don't know Jesus and I want to see them I want to be aware of them and I want to, I want, to want them. I, I want them to be part of this gathering. Is it, is it something that is growing in us? And, and, and the honest answer is that none of us love that way perfectly and every single one of us need to ask God to grow our love, grow our heart for those who don't know Jesus, right? Serving, do we take time for those who don't know Jesus? What priority is it for us as individuals to be gatherers? It's so easy in Christian church to spend your time, and we talk about this often, just within the church, just within the relationships of those within the church. How much time do we spend and what level of priority do we assign to this act of being gatherers outside the church, outside church gatherers? This is a huge area of growth for the church, maybe for you as an individual, and for me, constantly. It's remarkable how little time I can spend with people who don't know Jesus. That's not right. Pathway as a church. If it's true that the first steps or much of the work of being a gatherer happens outside our gatherings, we may say this is why it's incredibly important that we as a church are involved and engaged in something like Pathway Shed. State the obvious. Things like the hub, things like Pathway House, things like our prayers and hopes with our facilities do not be for ourselves but for our community. New ministries... What do we do online? What do we do with the things that God might involve and connect us with as a whole church as being a gatherer that is yet to come, right? Now, none of these things may be new to you. We know that this is part of what God wants us to do. What might be new to you today, it's a bit new to me, is that this is essential to what the church is. A church that isn't a gatherer is not a church. A church that only stops at verse 18 
in the Great Commission. It's just a bunch of Christians who meet together. It's not a church. It's essential. It's critical. It's paramount to who we are as a church that we are a gatherer. And I think, can I just say, in affirmation and and, and encouragement, I love that about our church. I love that we do take this seriously. I love that we're happy to put our our time, our money and our prayers, I think, where our hearts are, are with this. This does matter. And it's why we do it. It's why we prioritize it. And I can only pray, I can only hope, speaking first of all for myself and then for the rest of us as individuals, all of us as a church, that this would be something that is constantly growing in zeal and passion for us. We are the gatherer. (laughs) We are the gathering gatherer. May we forever be pulled up higher on that ride and out of it forever be propelled further and further outwards and these two things just grow in their extremities to the glory of God and the joy, as Bianca said, of seeing more and more people gathered in Christ. So let me finish. The series is done. Uh, it was a different kind of a thing. It certainly was for me. I trust it helped us to feel, in many ways, affirmed in some of the things we're doing. Understanding why we do it. Understanding why it's important. Understanding that we should continue to grow. I hope that it's challenged us. Some things that aren't really that important, or some things that need attention, some things that we need to think about that are critical to what it means to be the church. And we can grow in it maybe as individuals, maybe as a whole church. Thirdly, I trust that we feel, in some sense, perhaps equipped to pray well and to decide well when key decision-making times come. Decision-making for what we do here, East Devonport, anywhere, everywhere. May this undergird our understanding of what God is doing and what he revealed to us in the scriptures about his church. That is the hope. That is the prayer. But above all, I can only hope that we do all that we do and have done and will do because we have a vision of the church that fills us with wonder and awe. It's an incredible thing that God is doing. It's an incredible thing to be a part of. And as we proceed, may these words of that final great gathering be the thing that moves us more than anything. I'm going to read them to you. We read them on day one. I'll read them now and then I'll pray. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. This is talking about eternity, the end of history, when Christ returns and he gathers all people to him for church, 
Then you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, through the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Please pray with me. God, some of this may still not make sense to us, but somewhere through it all, I pray that each of us who calls Pathway Home or those who call another congregation home, that we would be filled with a sense of awe and wonder at what you're doing. That we get to belong to you. That you seek to meet with us every week in a lot of places, in lots of different ways, in lots of different forms, but essentially to do the same thing, that we may gather to worship you. That we may encounter your presence. That we may hear you speak to us. That we, in song, like we did this morning, get to speak to you. That we get to pray to you. Help us in that. Pull us higher and higher and higher in our gatherings. And Father, as a result, let us go further and further and further as gatherers. Lord, will you lead each and every child of you here, perhaps into the next step, and what it means for them in their involvement as a gatherer. Lead our church as we prayed Thursday and this morning. And how you want to involve us as gatherers. Fill us with your own heart. Equip us with the skills, the faith. And thank you that we can do all of this with that wonderful picture of where it's all going to. Place that in our midst. Give us a great hunger for it. Let us stand in awe and in wonder of who you are, what you're doing, and that day where we will go to church with thousands and thousands and thousands praising you, worshipping you. Have you speak to us and Lord us rejoicing. This we pray. In Jesus' name alone. Amen. Thanks. Music team. Let's stand and sing a song that captures the heart of what Ed's been talking about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whosoever believes will not perish, they shall.
Oh uh-huh. 